Well, first of all, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and your family. Consider this episode a a Christmas gift to you. Also, it will be considered part of tomorrow's episode as well as we will have another one on Friday. Looking forward to the Cal State Fullerton basketball game for the Bruins. But my word, we've got a lot to discuss as far as the Bruins and how they played against North Carolina over the weekend. Haven't had a chance yet to dive into that game all that was shown from our team, and so that is where we will begin. But first, want to welcome you in. This is Locked on Bruins. I'm your host, Brian Fenley. You can find me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley. The show has an email. It is LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And there's that subscribe button. Please hit that button. Let your friends and family know. If they call themselves a Bruin fanatic, if they call themselves a Bruin fan, it is mandatory that they hit that subscribe button. And if they do so, I will be eternally grateful. So, about that game last weekend against North Carolina. Obviously, you know we lost. We lost by 10 points. So many different levels of this game that I want to talk about as far as the, the turnovers that were way too many for UCLA, Mick Cronin's comments about the officiating that warranted him a a notice from the Pac-12 offices that he was getting reprimanded for that, whatever that means. I want to look at our offense and the struggles that continue to fester with our offense as they were They were shown against North Carolina. And then we'll look at what we all can gather from this. Because at this point, can we see credible change going into Pac-12 play? Is it something here where we can flip a switch and all of a sudden the Bruins that we think they're capable of will all of a sudden come about? Or are we prone to see this up-and-down play for the rest of the season. We'll discuss that as well, but let's begin first with the turnovers. 23 turnovers. This was, you know, from Coach Alford's days, there were turnover issues at UCLA, and it seemed like we were visiting the Alford era once again based on these same problems that the Bruins were having. Guys were traveling. They were dribbling it into into trouble, taking bad shots, and it was just a mess. And what Mick Cronin said was that in the final 10 minutes of this game against North Carolina, excuse me, final 10 minutes of the first half, was when the Bruins lost. And if you recall, if you were following the game, this was when the Heels went on this big run and and took a double-digit lead and really were able to impose their will. But to have 23 turnovers, I don't care how well you shoot it. I don't care how well you defend it. 99.9% of the time, if you turn it over 23 times, you're going to lose the game. And before this game, you know, this was the highest number of turnovers that the Bruins had had in a game this year. And part of that was you're thinking, okay, well, Mick Cronin expresses so much in terms of valuing the basketball and working on that and making sure the guys don't be careless with it. And you thought, okay, well, that seems to be, you know, picking up traction 
and maybe we're coming coming in in terms of improvement in that realm. But then, unfortunately, when you play high major teams, as Cronin pointed out, they are going to expose your flaws. And so whatever turnover bugs were kind of kept quiet because you were playing suspect teams, well, they become more pronounced, obviously, when you play against a North Carolina team, which we, we call them a, a high major, which they obviously are. But if you look at their roster, they are a shell of what they are potentially able to be without their star point guard, highly recruited guy, supposed to be a, a first-rounder in the NBA draft coming up next year. And, and Cole Anthony, he's out for another three to five weeks coming off of surgery. And so the Heels still had guys that stepped in in his spot and were able to produce. So that's a bit concerning to me. What also stood out to me what was obviously what McCronin said in the post game, and he obviously expressed his frustrations in a variety of ways. And we saw at one point in this game where he he threw his clipboard down and he uttered something to a ref, and and then he sounded off in the post game press conference when he talked about the officiating had basically, you know, it was two separate halves. Like they had taken the first half off based on the differential and fouls that were called much more in the second half as opposed to the first half. Do I have a problem with these comments? No, I certainly don't. Do I have a problem with his antics as far as getting you know livid on the sideline? I do not. Why is that? Because this sets a precedent for your players. Your players, whether it's subconscious or, or conscious, are a reflection of you as the coach. They look at you and see how you handle adversity. And when they see a coach get, you know, really upset about certain situations that are are deemed, you know, fair to be upset about, it, it it's important for that player to be assertive. It's a player it's important for that coach to be assertive. And so as a coach, being a reflection of what your players are supposed to be, they should be not tolerating the way things are going. They should be riled up. They should look at this as as inexcusable the way they're playing and that they want to do everything in their power to, to improve on this. So I have no qualms about what Mick Cronin said. Obviously, the Pac-12 put out a statement Afterwards, they said the Pac-12 membership has established, I'm reading this as a quote, the Pac-12 membership has established rules that prohibit our coaches from publicly commenting about officiating. We have an obligation to our members to enforce approved conference rules. As a part of our officiating program, there is a protocol in place for our coaches to provide feedback directly to the coordinator of officials. And then it said that he was reprimanded nothing disclosed as to what that means if that's a if that's a disclosed fine or, or or whatnot we have no idea but the Pac-12 obviously wasn't happy with that but I gotta say this from a selfish UCLA perspective hopefully this is a source of inspiration or kind of a wake-up call for this team like you're as I've read you know some of the reaction from people Look at this; the, the, these reactions from Coach Cronin 
as hopeful ways to inspire, to revitalize this Bruin team because they need an extra pep on their step. They need an extra sense of like urgency. Like, come on, we can't tolerate what is going on right now on the court, particularly offensively. And that's exactly where I want to spend most of this episode talking about. And that is what what's going on offensively. So we're disjointed. It's in disarray. What you've seen in the last couple games is we can't score in the paint at, at all. And we are a, a malfunctioning offense without production in the paint. I mean, there is no way we can hang with more or less competitive opponents if we have to rely on perimeter scoring. You know, that, that's just not going to fly. And so my biggest concern is, and this is what Mick Cronin was saying as well, does, does this team have what it takes when Cody Riley and Jalen Hill, the bigs, are double and triple team? Do they have the acumen to find an open shooter? Can those shooters knock down shots? So far, no. Because part of it is their ability, or excuse me, inability to hit the three. It's also the fact that Jalen Hill and Cody Riley are having a hard time finding open guys. They're open. You know, when you double or triple team, somebody's left open. But they're not able to locate their open teammates right now, and if you could do that, then maybe teams would would frown upon doubling and triple teaming you, but right now they're willing to take the risk, and the last two games, teams have clogged the paint, they have been able to body up and bottle up Riley and Hill, and the Bruins offense has had no constant stable effectiveness to it right now. I mean, the one good thing was what happened coming out of halftime as far as the offense is concerned. You had that 12-a run after the break, and you know you saw Jules Bernard, and he hit that step back. Jay, he looked active around the rim. Cody Riley can knock down the mid-range jump shot. Now, some coaches for the Bruins kind of cringe when he does, but if it's open... He can knock it down. Chris Smith also hitting threes and showing us that he does have the ability to knock down mid-range jump shots off the dribble. But that 12-0, 14-0 run, if you want to span back to the end of the first half, it did not last. And we, once again, were, were caught up in, in an onslaught here. And, and you know what? Uh, let me step back for just a moment before I talk more about this offense. When we come in to, as fans, when we listen to, to critiques about our team, I don't know exactly what you guys like to hear or gals, but I'm not one to, to completely berate a team. You know, there are a lot of people that lust and thrive over strictly negativity about a team and they think that people love that stuff and to an extent people do but eventually fans are going to tune out those people I believe at least that's the school of thought I come from because while they want to be they want to hear optimism or excuse me honest critiques that might be negative they also want to have a tinge of optimism like 
why do I support this team? Well, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, we're not doing this, but this is going well. I think it's 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 in the best interest of the fans and the best interest of this podcast that I refrain, and not that I'd ever want to, from being completely negative. Because that's not fair to what I'm about, that's not fair to you, and that's not fair to the team. So you're thinking to yourself, well, what the heck was positive about this game against North Carolina? We lost, and we didn't play well in a lot of different areas. There's one positive that I can point out, and that is Jules Bernard. And Mick Cronin did not even think that Bernard was going to be back this soon. He missed only one game with that sprained shoulder. He got dinged up in practice. And he was active. He was present, and he made his presence felt in this game. And what also was interesting in the sense of encouraging was that the backcourt pressure that UCLA instituted in this game, it put some serious strain on the heels. I mean, no question about it. And even Garrison Brooks said that that took the team, his team, who's Garrison Brooks is on the heels, and said it took his team by surprise. And then Roy Williams said, well, why would it surprise Garrison? Because 24 hours before the game, we worked on press offense. So apparently Garrison is maybe not completely checked in mentally during practices. With this offense, I'm going I'm to break it down in two different schools of thought here or two different concepts as to what's holding us back on top of the actual X's and O's and stats here. Have you ever had writer's block, you know, when you're in class and or you're writing a paper or you're writing a note to somebody and you just have no idea what to say? Like there is an, an abyss in your brain where it's just a, it's basically just black. Like you've been sitting and thinking and thinking and nothing is coming out of your mind as to what to say. You, you become kind of stuck Okay, so I look at that as part of the part of what's going on here. Is there is a, a a learning block? Why is that? This is the second part of what I'm trying to say here. The second part of this is this. You know when people say, and you you've heard this before, that sometimes, well, well change is always challenging, right? And sometimes, and I'm not, I don't want to name names, but I, you know. Just being observant in life, you see this, that some people are very, I don't know if it's comfortable, but they're, they're more comfortable being in a state of, I don't know, not, not in a state of, of misery than, than change and being uncomfortable. So have you ever had this before, and, and this is wide extremes here of, of would you be more willing have you ever found yourself in life more willing to, to to stay status quo while maybe being miserable doing this than to do something completely out of your comfort zone with the hopes of it being you know leading to a more positive outcome whether we want to say it or not a lot of times we are comfortable with the misery. And so what I'm trying to say, how does, how does this all relate to, to UCLA basketball? And that is sometimes we are more comfortable. I I look at this team and I think, you know, they are more comfortable hanging on to the past in those habits. 
and, and what was taught to them in the prior years that isn't contributing in helping them this year because they're used to it. It's easier. And, and when they want to change, there's this block, this writer's block, this mental block that comes in. And so how do you break through from that? Well, as the good old cliche goes, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Are you willing to take that risk? Are you willing to take what is really a leap of faith? Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. It's not that this team isn't talented enough to win these games. It's are they willing to break off from what they had been taught the last couple years? Go all in. Buy all in. They say they're buying in, but they've got to show this to us on the court by flushing away everything that they've known from their prior coaches in, at UCLA before Mick Cronin came in and saying, okay, coach, you're right. This is not working. We're going all in. Now, that's not very comfortable, right? You're not used to this. And, and maybe there's something in your life where somebody says, you know, maybe you should do this. You would be happier. And you're like, no, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. And you know what? That person has your best interest, but your ego gets in the way. And so all of a sudden, you, you, you don't help yourself because of your ego. And so you're more comfortable being stuck in, in what was uh, an exhibit of malfunction or dysfunction than perhaps something that can help you. So the call here is, is, is for these Bruin basketball players. Are they willing to completely let go of what they've been taught in the past are you willing to whatever it is you're holding on to willing to let go to free yourself you know so we 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 can think of it on a personal level as well whatever stuff you're dealing with but for this team that's the biggest thing they will they say they have confidence they love their coach and their coach is doing everything to get them to that place where UCLA basketball belongs but if the players are not completely in it mentally, it doesn't matter what happens. They're not going to get to where Mick Cronin can get them to, if that makes sense. So it's a leap of faith. You have to believe in your coach because he's done it before. That means you're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone. That means you're going to do things you're not used to. Are you willing to do that? Or are you satisfied with where you are right now? And I hope, you know, with the Christmas time and with players getting a little bit of time off, that they have a moment to self-reflect here. Is it really worth it? You know, with the, 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 the issues they've had in the past, with the turnovers and, and all this stuff, do you really feel satisfied as a player? Do you really feel fulfilled by reverting to those habits? Are you saying you want change or are you actually putting in the work in doing it? That's up to the players, honestly. And what Mick Cronin has shown is that he's there for his players. You know, when he, he calls out the referees... And he yells at them and throws down his clipboard and, and, and stands up for his guys. That 
should signal to the players, look, our coach cares about us. So it's in our best interest, in our, you know, it's due justice to now care about him. And that means stop holding on to what's holding you back. And that can go for football. That can go for this basketball team. This can go for life in general. I want you to think about that because I think that that is what's really the main roadblock here for this basketball team. They're not completely bought in yet. Not saying that won't happen. But until they are, until they completely let go of whatever they were taught before and they think that that's going to help them when it's really not, it's just all a mental switch you got to flip. Once they can all do that, then you're going to see the results on the court. Because as we stare ahead at Pac-12 play, it doesn't get any easier. And I don't know what team is going to show up. I hope it's the team that I'm trying to preach right now. But if it's the team against North Carolina, if it's the team that showed up against Notre Dame, it's not going to be pretty. I'll be honest with you, it's not going to be pretty. But that's the worst case scenario here. There is a lot that this team can do to avoid that. But it all is going to start from self-reflection. And if they do that, this team could surprise you and put together a second half run. There's no tricks to it. There's no secret formula. But that's why I'm so uncertain about how this team is going to fare in Pac-12 play. Because I know what they're capable of, but we've also seen the kind of product that they've shown as of late, and it has not been pretty to the fans, to the coaches, to the players and whatnot. They would all say the same thing. So you've got one more non-conference game, Cal State Fullerton, and then it's on to Pac-12 play. And I hope the guys realize what they've done in the past, even if it's soothing in a weird way or not, is not what's going to help them break through. Tomorrow we will discuss Cal State Fullerton, or Friday, that is our episode on Friday. So this will be an episode that will be Christmas Day and tomorrow. I'm going to get this out early so you have a chance to listen to it more. And then for Friday, my second episode of this week, We'll look at Cal State Fullerton and other news that comes about. I appreciate you guys understanding. While I haven't been doing it every week or every day this week because of me spending some time with my family, and we'll talk to you on Friday. But enjoy this one and have a great rest of your holiday.